Welcome to Jen and Juice. We are two sisters who grew up humbly in the trailer park and in Sunday school, where we weathered the storms of kitchen scissor bangs, purity culture, fundamentalism, culottes, flannel boards, and fellowship hall potlucks. We remain devout to Jesus as we continue to wrestle out our faith with fear and trembling. We hope to provide a safe space to have real, raw conversations about everything and nothing, this and that, the secular and the sacred, you know, the juxtaposition of all things life. We want to use what the Lord has given us. Snark, quick wit, hard-earned wisdom. We promise to show up wobbly on some days, strong on other days. We aim to be a refreshing palate cleanse in a world starving for hope and light. We're like therapy you can afford. Because we're free. So welcome to Gin and Juice. We're We're here here to help help a sister and brother out. Hey, y'all. Welcome to episode four. We're so glad you're back with us. Absolutely. So we are finishing up the month of March, which is... Women's History Month. So we did our last episode on that. And so we kind of want to continue the conversation about women. So to kick off today's episode, Jessica, I've got some little, um, a little quiz for you. Ooh, okay. You know, I never did very well in pop quizzes at school. So well, you're good at pop culture. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. And I'm terrible at pop culture. So I actually had to Google names. Because I'm like, you know, the one with the hair (laughs) that was on that show wore a lot of t shirts. Uh uh So okay. If you could pick any of these ladies, who do you think you're most like ready? Yeah. Golden Girls. Are you most like Blanche? Oh, Blanche. Well, duh. <laughs> <laughs> Ask Brad. <laughs> uh, Which this episode is sponsored by. Uh, Jay Bradley Salon <laughs> and Jab Services. <laughs> Thank you, fellas. <laughs> that would be our husband's business. Uh-huh, uh-huh. yes. Okay, so the others were Dorothy, Rose, and Sophia. Whoa. You take your purse everywhere with you. So I think that you kind of channel Sophia as well. I'm getting called out first thing, y'all. Yeah, I I am kind of like a grumpy old Sicilian woman. It's true. I got a little cynicism, a little snark, but I'll bring you in for a good hug in the end. Mm-hmm. I'm a little prickly, and I do carry a purse. When I was like 22, I used to carry this gold purse. Audra, if you're listening, you called me out one day and you said, I've never met anyone as confident (laughs) as you. And I said, why? Because I did not feel very confident at all. And she said, because you you carry like an old lady gold purse. (laughs) And like you make me want to buy it. And I was like, I'm poor. I don't have a lot of options. I just make what works work. Well, you're good at that still. Okay. Friends, are you more like Rachel, Monica, or Phoebe? I think I'm more like Chandler. (laughs) Okay. So like a Facebook a long time ago did those quizzes, you know, I got Chandler every time. Oh yeah. I'm a little dorky like Ross actually. Like Ross gets excited about like dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. I get excited. Like I'm a Bible nerd in the way that Ross is a dinosaur nerd. Mm -hmm. So actually I'm probably a lot like Ross. I don't know that any of the girls I'm actually like. Yeah. Our, our best dear friend, Diana is a lot like Phoebe. Uh huh. 100%. I'm not like neurotic and clean. Like I don't clean and have all those tendencies like Monica. Mm -hmm. That's Brad. And your life is way more together than Rachel's. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little Rachel. 
I'm a little flighty. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. I love Rachel's. But probably I'm Ross. <clears throat> yeah, I'm Chandler. <laughs> Bing! Are you Joey? How you doing? <laughs> I'm definitely not Joey. <laughs> okay, so um, I'm going to give you four very popular moms from TV shows over the years. Okay. And you're going to tell me maybe like maybe not who you're most like but maybe something you like about each one or can identify with okay. or something okay all right hit me here are the four <clears throat> roseanne Barr from roseanne okay <laughs> that's how we grew up <laughs> totally <laughs> only mom wasn't roseanne no. dad was dad roseanne. was roseanne <laughs> yeah claire huxtable from the cosby show oh claire so fabulous i know Ooh. um Peg Bundy from Married with Children. That's it. I'm her. I'm Peg. I am a thousand percent. I have a story to back that up. Keep going. Oh my gosh. Peggy Hill from King of the Hill. I'm her. I'm the substitute teacher. <laughs> or Beverly Goldberg from the Goldbergs. Oh, I have a little bit. I have a little bit of Beverly Goldberg yeah. inside of me. I... She's just the little Jewish goddess who is just so protective over her little family. Little helicopter mom. Helicopter mom. Um, I'm her kids yeah. can do no wrong. No, absolutely not. I love Beverly Goldberg. I I'm definitely Peg Bundy. I am. <laughs> and tell us why. Well, first of all, the the actress that plays Peg Bundy is Katie Seagal. Mm-hmm. I did know her name. Okay, yes. Only because so, of San- Sons of Anarchy. Yes, Sons of Anarchy. Okay, so years ago, Sons of Anarchy was at its height. Mm-hmm. And um, I was at like a little sandwich shop um, here locally grabbing lunch. And this guy who was working, who was um, building my sandwich, it was not Subway, but this guy was building my sandwich. And he said, you have a celebrity lookalike. Well, when I was young, it was always Sandra Bullock. Mm-hmm. Like people... I literally had people drive by and shout, Sandy, <laughs> and I waved. With your gold purse. Uh-huh. I got I got mistaken for San- uh, Sandra Bullock in, um, gosh, where were we? Like Albuquerque or somewhere. She Santa Fe, we were in Santa Fe, and she apparently had a ranch or a house there. And anyway, that was years ago, okay? In more recent years at the sandwich shop, the young man said to me, you have a celebrity lookalike. And I'm waiting for Sandra Bullock. And he said, it's a, it's a Katie Seagal. <laughs> and I go, circa married with children or, or circa sons of anarchy. <laughs> and he looked panicked. And I was like, no, seriously, I need you to tell me. Cause I'm like 32 and she's like 62. You just told me I look like a 62 year old woman. Um, she's hot. She <clears throat> is hot. But I was like, Thanks a lot, guy. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Sons of Anarchy. I was like, okay, I'll take it. But yeah. She's fabulous. She, she got better looking as she got older. Yeah, I love her. Love her. Yeah. Okay, so of the Disney princesses, who? Ursula. <laughs> or, or villains. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which story? Okay. Or personality could you identify most with? So here's some just to like, you know, get your thoughts going. Okay. Ariel, you know, I'm 16, daddy. <laughs> not not that one. No. <clears throat> Jasmine, uh, Tiana, Aurora, Rapunzel, Elsa Anna, Snow White, Merida. Who, who are you thinking? Oh. It's kind of hard, huh? That's hard. I don't know. Elsa and Onyx were sisters. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably going to do something stupid and be like, oh, I'm having a 
Do you want to build a snowman? <laughs> and you're going to say no. Yeah, because I'm the ice queen. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably that one. That is one of my favorite. Like Frozen is probably one of my favorite Disney movies because the love story was more about sisters. I know. I love that. I loved it too. I cried and cried in the theater. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah I think that Elsa and Anna. I love it. That's what I thought too. Okay. And last one. <clears throat> Still Magnolia sisters mm. characters. Okay. So we have Weeza. Oh yeah. <laughs> Need I go on? No, I'm Weeza. <laughs> I'm Weeza. Somebody always wants to punch Weeza. <laughs> if you have something, what'd she say? If you don't have something nice to say, come sit by <laughs> come me. Come sit by me. <laughs> It's the best. <laughs> oh, I love that movie. I know. There's also Malin, where that's where I got Malin's name. Tricked you, Jeremy. Uh-huh. <laughs> or Trudy, which was Dolly Parton's oh, character. I wanted to be Trudy, I but know. I was always Weeza. Well, I forgot that there's Shelby also, who was Julia Roberts. And then there was that weird little oh, young Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah. Yeah. yeah well, oh, name. the little Bible lady. Yeah. Yeah. I was never that cute of a. Or stereotypical Bible lady. I was never that innocent. <laughs> Me either. No. Okay. So okay. that's a little uh, fun recap for some fun. ladies in pop culture. Which one are you out of Still Magnolias? You're Milan. I am. Yeah. You're Sally Field. I think so. Because like at one point I'm going to break and be like. <laughs> <laughs> Your Enneagram 5 is just going to bust uh-huh. open. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Probably so. Yeah. Okay. That was fun. Thank you, Jenny, for bringing us into more of the female conversation. So you guys will have to send us your messages, DM us and tell us which of those characters you most identify with. Yeah. Um, Text us. We love getting (gasps) all the texts. Everybody's like, I hope you're like, I'm sorry, I'm texting you again, but I just listened. No, we absolutely love it. Your feedback has been absolutely incredible and we love it so thank you for the texts dms yeah we everything. so appreciate it we love it come talk to us if mm-hmm. you see us around town if you're um, our cousin you know that lives in a different part of the country so we are originally from kansas city kansas mm-hmm. we have a lot of family in kansas and missouri and in oklahoma shout out shay cousin shay love you, shay um <clears throat> but when we talk about things that um pertain to the Permian Basin. We're kind of talking about our people here, but we will sometimes reference Cousin Diane. And what we mean by Cousin Diane is we're going to explain something to you that probably we here in the Permian Basin understand, like oil and gas, which we gave y'all an excellent, excellent description of oil and gas when we sang the theme song to Dallas, Mm -hmm. because that absolutely sums up our knowledge of oil and gas. Pump Jack, Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. That just sums it up. That's all, that's all we know about it. Um, so if it's something that pertains to us that we know is kind of secondhand knowledge because of where we live and you live somewhere else, we're going to talk to you like we would our cousin Diane. We're going to mm-hmm. say, hey, cousin Diane, this is what that means. Yeah. And so we are going to get into a subject today that is near and dear to our hearts as women in the South and growing up in the church, as we described, we grew up in the trailer park and in Sunday school. Mm-hmm. And our background taught us a lot about God's word. We were given a wonderful foundation in God's word in all these churches um, where the Lord led us throughout our lives. And today, in in, uh, just more observance of all the women who we want to honor, we've decided to call our episode today the (laughs) O-T-O-G's. 
love Old it. Testament original gangsters, mm-hmm. OTOGs. So we're going to give you um, some stories from the Old Testament, and these are going to be some women who we have learned from their lives in the Old Testament. And I feel like we're not just going to hit on the names that you always assume that you're going to hear about. So you're going to maybe learn um, about some new women or maybe just different perspectives on women that you have heard about, but we want you to really put on your thinking caps Mm -hmm. and deep dive the Old Testament women with us. All right. You want to get us started? Okay, let's go. Okay. And we have not compared notes, Mm -mm. so I can't wait to see what you have. I know. I'm so excited. Okay. So I started in Genesis chapters 16 through 21. This is the story of Hagar. Mm -hmm. And so Hagar was an Egyptian slave given or purchased by uh, Sarah and Abraham. And um, this is like Father Abraham had many sons. Mm -hmm. Yes. And we don't talk about his daughters. (laughs) They don't matter in the text because they're basically cattle. Um, (laughs) Cattle cattle was more important. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They were donkeys. Um, (laughs) We are too. (laughs) We are. (laughs) Uh, so Hagar was the Egyptian handmaid to Sarah. Mm-hmm. So if you've heard of The Handmaid's Tale, the Margaret Atwood uh, novel that has become, you know, the Hulu hit TV show, The Handmaid's Tale, they start out every Handmaid's Tale, uh, in the beginning anyway, all the episodes were kind of this recitation of some words in Genesis about the handmaid given to Abraham. It was Sarah's handmaid given to Abraham. And what that meant was that uh, Sarah was barren. She couldn't have babies. So she was obviously worthless in a society that put all the emphasis on women producing an heir. Mm -hmm. And by heir, do we mean daughters? No, no, we mean sons. And so Sarah couldn't have a baby. And so she gave her handmaid, this is a woman who waited on her, took care of her. Mm -hmm. And she gave her handmaiden, Hagar, to her husband as another wife. And, um, and so by giving her to her, it was literally, it was a, it sexually, Mm -hmm. like you get pregnant, you have a baby, but I will claim the child as my own Mm -hmm. because I own you. I own everything that comes from you. And so this is poor Hagar's story. Um, So it's not a gorgeous story um, as far as like you think about kind of the patriarchs of our faith. And we we say these glowing things, but there's all of this nuance to stories. And um, it's hard in scripture because it's, it's never just one thing. Right. It's so complex. It's so many layers deep. And yet these were people who God considered faithful to him. Mm-hmm. And, and I just think like we can be real judgmental about that and be like, well, how could God count like Abraham and Sarah faithful? Well, how could God count you or right. me faithful either? And so, um, and in the custom of their day, please hear me say that in the custom of their day and time, they provided for Hagar. They took care of her. They were not brutal to her. And women were used in this way very often. To us, this is deplorable. To them, 
it was every day kind of the operations of a family. Mm-hmm. And so Hagar was given to Abraham and she does become pregnant and it creates a horrible divide between she and Sarah. Jealousy just rises up between them and Hagar ends up fleeing away from this family and she goes to the desert and she's just telling God she just wants to die. And God manifests as the angel of the Lord to Hagar. She's the first person in scripture Mm -hmm. who the angel of the Lord appears to. And when the angel of the Lord appears in scripture, it is often among Bible scholars and commentators, it's often held or believed that that was like a picture. It was like Jesus. It was the angel of the Lord, meaning it was Christ before Christ came to this earth in skin. It was Christ, the angel spirit of Christ that they would see. And so that Jesus appeared to Hagar and she names him. She is the first female uh, to name God and she names him El Roy. And it means the God who sees me. And so I think, um, you know, her name translates to flight, to be dragged off, pressed into service, mm-hmm. which I'm like, was that even her real given name? Like slave girl, right? flight risk, you know, or was that the name that this family gave her? You know, we don't know, mm-hmm. but that was the name she was called. And so she was this pressed down flight risk uh, dragged off castaway person and Christ visits her. The angel of the Lord visits her and shows himself to her. And she calls him Elroy, the God who sees me mm-hmm. making him a very personal God. And she was not Israelite. She was not a Jew. She was a Gentile. And so I just, I think her bravery in seeking God and God tells her like, go back and live among them. Just do what they tell you to do. And she obeyed the Lord, knowing it was going to be hard and miserable being with Sarah, with Abraham in this situation where she's been used and, and now emotionally abused at the very least, at the very least, <laughs> very and least. sexually abused. Okay. Um, like what in the world? She did it. She obeyed the Lord and the Lord gave her a son and uh, and so anyway, I just, I think that Hagar makes my list because, um, it's not always the ones that you, we, we see some people in our churches or communities and we think they're the chosen ones, you know, that it's them because of how they were raised or their mm-hmm. perfect background or their perfect house or their perfect car, or their perfect marriage or their perfect career. And there are so many women who feel cast out, dragged out, you used know, and abused, used and abused. Mm-hmm. And the Lord shows up to them. Uh, just like he does the the perfect little princesses like Sarah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and he sees you. Mm-hmm. So I love I love Hagar's story. Well, that's funny because my first one on my list was Sarah or Sarai, <gasps> same name, oh same person. Gosh. Okay, so Sarah, of course, is wife of Abraham, like Jessica just said. Yep. She did all of these things, and um, <clears throat> imagine like the Bible even says like Sarah was mean to Hagar. Yeah. Because, I mean, imagine that, like, hey, honey, bump some uglies with my maidservant. Wait. <laughs> well. <laughs> I'm sure there was a more technical term. 
like lay with. <laughs> but let's just call it what it is. Yeah. Okay. And she gets pregnant. Shocker. And now you're mad. I know. And God did not condone slavery. Yeah. He did not create it. Yeah. He did not create rape. Right. Or abuse or oppression. Right. He is not the God of those things. Yeah. In any degree. Yeah. And so even though Sarah was faithful to God, she loved God. Mm-hmm. Um, in Genesis, it talks about like her love for God mm-hmm. and her commitment to her God because of Abraham. Mm-hmm. Um, he still blesses her. Yeah. He gives her a baby in her old age. Yeah. And so even after all of these things with Hagar, Hagar has Ishmael. Mm-hmm. And then um, Sarah's mad. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't say I wouldn't be right. <laughs> mad, but it was her own choice. Like this was her version of helping God out. Yeah, she was taking things into her own hands. Yeah, absolutely. How like, many times do we do that? Yeah, or, or like, I know God, you promised this. And like literally back then, like, okay, your your voice is audibly saying, I'm going to make y'all the parent of nations. Abraham will be the father of nations, okay? Yeah. And Sarah's like, okay, great. But it's not today, so here's Hagar. Yes. Let's do this thing. Let's speed this time up. And so often I, I relate to that more than anything because I'm like, okay, really? Like, I know you told me this, but maybe I should just dip my toe in mm-hmm. helping you out, Lord. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how many times I screw things up, which royally goes wrong every single time. Yes. Um, he still blesses me. Yeah. And he's like, I know your heart. You screwed up again. Yeah. But I know your heart and I'm going to bless you. It's not going to be ideal like I had intended this to be. Because if you go on to read about the brothers in the future, Mm -hmm. half brothers, it ain't so pretty. Yeah. But both boys were blessed. Yeah, they were. Differently. Yeah. Both family, both sets of families were blessed. They're each fathers of nations. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. God kept his promise. Yes, he did. And and Sarah, if you and I we so want you to dig this out mm-hmm. for yourself. Go read scripture because Sarah was abused as well. Mm-hmm. She was Abraham her her husband, she was his half sister. Yes. And so and she was very beautiful, scripture says, and they, they're traveling through towns and another king lays eyes on her and is basically like bring her into my harem and he lays with her. So because Abraham's afraid, oh, she's beautiful, and that king wants her. If he knows I'm her husband, he'll kill me. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to go with the half-truth that we're, we're siblings. Right. She's my sister. And so she is given to another king by her husband. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that there's many scholars that believe Hagar, as a result of this sin, God sends this basically like a plague over the house of this king. And 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 the king immediately realizes, I don't know if the Lord revealed it, how he revealed it, but the, he recognizes this has come upon us because I've slept with that man's wife. Mm-hmm. I thought it was his sister. It's his wife. And he's like, take her back. We are sorry. We are repentant. I never would have done that if I would have known she was your spouse. Right. And so he sends Abraham and Sarah away and sends them people, all the livestock they can handle, like sends them away with loads them up, loads them up and sends them on. And there's a lot of scholars that believe Hagar was part of the property and one of the people that they were given as that mm-hmm. result. And so this thing with Sarah is that we 
who have been hurt and abused and misused, we can perpetuate that or we can stop that. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, she perpetuated that. Uh, Whether she knew what she was doing, and I don't think she did. I think she thought she was helping God out. Mm -hmm. And that was a custom of the day and it was acceptable and to the people. Acceptable among the people, not acceptable to the Lord. But the Lord was also not going to punish Hagar because Hagar had no voice. Mm -hmm. She had no power. She had no authority. And so the Lord blessed her and and then he ends up, you know, blessing Sarah as well mm-hmm. with a baby. It's just, it's so hard to fathom because we want justice for them and grace for us. Right. And so whenever you're raging in your car right now or in your heart and you're like, well, why didn't God just like, you know, punish Sarah? We Because we want justice for Sarah. We want grace for us. Mm-hmm. And God is a God who, who issues out grace to all. Mm-hmm. I mean, no matter what our, our sins and misdeeds are, and he's good that way. Speaking of that, the other night, oh no, we were, we were praying. We, uh, before we go to tuck, when we tuck the girls in, we say prayers and, um, Malin, I was praying and she stopped me and she goes, mama, can I say something? I was like, of course. She goes, dear God. Please make all the kidnappers die and go to hell. <laughs> I was like, oh, 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 okay. We need to talk about this. <laughs> and how did you uh, guide and direct that conversation, oh, sister? I fumbled over my words like, well, baby, um, you see, yes, we do not condone kidnapping or anything, you know, against the innocent. And, um, but we don't want anybody to die and go to hell. Like we want, we want God to meet them where they're at and change their hearts yes. so that their hearts can be changed, that they will love him and they won't do those bad things anymore. Mm-hmm. But if they don't choose to change their ways, yeah, die and go to hell. <laughs> and she goes, oh, let me start over. Dear God, I'm sorry, God, please change their hearts or send them to hell. <laughs> That is fair enough. Deal, deal. Good, good prayers. Oh, sweet little. So May don't May. kidnap. That's or right. you're on the list. That's right. You're, you're on Maymay's list. You're on her prayer list. Yeah, I love it. Okay, okay. Who's, so your, who's your next? My next are. It is a duo. Let me guess. Shifra and Pura. Pura. Pua. You Sh- don't say the R. Shifra and Pura. 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 P U R A H. Pura? Is it Pura? Pur- Shoot. S and P, okay? <laughs> Salt and pepper. <laughs> Let's get their names right, because they're actually named in the Bible, so we got to get this right. Pepper. Okay, I'm going to Exodus chapter 1, mm-hmm. and these are the Egyptian... No, no, they're not. They're the, the Hebrew, Hebrew midwives. midwives. Sorry, excuse me. The Hebrew midwives. Okay, they're 115. No, it's Pua. P- Shifra and Pua. So P-U-A. what you're saying is I just can't read. No, you're, you're doing great. <laughs> Okay, so here's what happens with Shifra and Pua. They are the Hebrew midwives. So Pharaoh is the king of Egypt, and the Israelites have become a slave nation Mm -hmm. in this kingdom. And they are growing and multiplying. And 
the Pharaoh becomes very fearful that they are so numerous that they could start their own army or join other neighboring kingdoms, armies and come and take over Egypt, Mm -hmm. basically steal his kingdom from him. So he is afraid of them because if they rise up militarily, there's trouble, there's trouble. So he decides the best way to fix this is a genocide. And so he tells the two midwives. And so Let's back up and talk about what was a midwife. Well, there were not OBGYNs Mm -hmm. in that day and age. They were basically the OBGYNs. They were the midwives. They helped the women who were giving birth. And the women would sit on a birthing stool. That was literally what it was called. Um, And so it was kind of a crouching position. And they would kind of squat and um, (laughs) plop and squat. So terrible. Forget. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) Uh, and so they would uh, squat and plop out a baby because that's how easy it is for everybody. Um, and so he tells these midwives when those baby, those Hebrew babies are born, kill them, kill the boys. You can let the girls live. Now, this is not because he cared about girls, but, you know, girls could be, you know, they could be slave women or they could be. Well, you part- can't continue a bloodline without the male. That's right. So those women would come into his harem or come into Egypt and be Egyptian wives, but, or just, you know, Hebrew slaves, most likely. Yeah. And, but kill the baby boys. And so these two Hebrew midwives take it in their own hearts and decide they are going to disobey the Pharaoh. And they are not going to kill all of the Hebrew baby boys. They're going to let them live. And so, no, they are not the only two midwives for right. the whole place. They're probably the managers. They're the they're the CEO and the COO of the whole midwifery. And so they start letting everybody know, like all the midwives, we're not going to do this. Mm-hmm. We are not going to kill these babies. And so Pharaoh comes back to them and says, why aren't you, you know, why have the babies been, baby boys been killed? And they lie and say, well, uh, the Hebrew women are just a rigorous group of women mm-hmm. and they go into child labor and they have those babies too quick. Mm-hmm. Before we can get there. Before we can get there. And, and you know, even old commentaries that I, I read, some of the 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 commentators were like, you know, they really sinned by lying. Um, I was real grossed out by that because I thought, well, the Lord blessed them. Well, and it even says because they feared the Lord. Yes. They told Pharaoh. Yes. A lie. Yep. And he, he keep going because he ends up blessing it. He blessed it. He gives it. The Lord blesses the women and gives them their own families, mm-hmm. which meant until this point in time, these two, Shifra and Pua, they were barren. Mm-hmm. Their daily work was to deliver babies to women. And they were literally delivering into the hands of other women which, something that they could not deliver out of their own bodies into their own hands. Mm-hmm. Only God could deliver that. And then they act as these deliverers yeah. in this spiritual way in a very physical way for the for the nation of Israel. And this is all laying a foundation for eventually as God raises up Moses mm-hmm. and, and takes the people out of slavery. And so these women, they were pioneers, they were brave, their lives were on the line and and they decided as you said to fear God more than they feared this human man with all the power. Mm-hmm. And God blessed them. Yeah. 
They made my list too. Okay. Clearly, but it was pura. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. We can we can call her what we want. Super good at Hebrew names. Okay, who who's on your list? Next? Okay, so my next one was speaking of Moses, mm-hmm. Moses's sister Miriam. What what? I love Miriam. Okay, so in ex oh so that whole story that Jessica just talked about was in Exodus one. Yep. Chapter one, verses 15 through 22. So yes. definitely go read that. So this one is from Exodus 20, beginning in 20, verse 20. So Miriam is Moses and Aaron's sister. Mm-hmm. And in this specific verse, she is called the prophet. Mm. So they cross the river, the Red Sea. The Egyptians get swallowed by the sea, literally like footsteps behind them. Mm-hmm. In my vision, I got mm-hmm. to say it that way. Um, she takes an instrument, she starts, um, banging this instrument, making music. It's like a tambourine. Yeah. It says a timbrel. Mm -hmm. And it says that all the women followed her and she led them in song. Mm -hmm. She gets her own song named Miriam's song in Exodus 20. So for me, like for the Bible to call her the prophet, she's a woman Mm -hmm. and she gets her own song. Mm-hmm. That is something that is just beautiful to me. Yeah, because we grew up in evangelicalism, um, and our of the tradition of faith that we held was it was always about what what are women not allowed to do. Mm-hmm. There was a lot about what can't the women do, right. and I think our conversation has changed, and it's become well, what did the women do? What did biblical women do? What did the women in the first early churches in the New Testament do? And like Jenny's pointing out all the way back in the Old Testament, the Lord preserves in canon, in scripture, that Miriam was a prophet. Mm-hmm. She was a worship leader. She was she was on the the, the leadership team around <laughs> Moses. Yes, yes. She was, you know, in our language, we would say she was on the executive pastor team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she led and she was a prophet. Well, prophets, what do they do? They spoke for God. Yeah. Okay. What did women do? They were prophets. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Thank you, Miriam. Mm-hmm. Later, she gets a little bit chastised from the Lord because she spoke out against Moses, which I'm like, uh, been there, girl. <laughs> she gets a little leprosy, okay? And then she gets sent outside the camp for seven days, and then she good. Yeah. So, But yeah. she got named multiple times yes. for leading women, leprosy, but yes. also being a prophet. <laughs> right. But also being a prophet yeah. and being faithful First, to being God. A prophet. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I love it. Oh, that's such a good one, Jenny. Yay. Thanks. What's yours? Okay. Uh, my next one, you know, Rahab. Yep. Bring it. Come I have, on. She's on mine too. Come on. Go to the book of Joshua. Look up Rahab. Um, these Hebrew sp- spies come in um, and she lives within the walls of Jericho. So what I love about it yeah. is there's nothing that is coincidental Mm-mm. and her outer wall mm of her home was part of the city wall, the yes. gate. So back in these days, these cities literally had gates and they would close in the evening yep. to protect the citizens of their city. Yep. And her wall was the city gate. Mm-hmm. And that comes into play. And it just, I, I 
I love that part of it. I love that too. Every single thing has meaning. Yes. God orders everything, Mm -hmm. all of it. And so these spies come in, they're trying to kind of get the lay of the land and figure out we're coming in to take Canaan. God has said, it's time for us to come into the promised land. And, and these tribes of Israel who've been nomads and wandering in, um, in the desert are going to take the land of Canaan and, but they've got to go in and kind of assess what's going on. Um, you know, what, what does the enemy look like? Where are they at? They're like FBI. Yeah, kind of like FBI, special ops. Yeah. And so they go in to check it out, and Rahab helps them. She helps the spies, and she says, what you can do for me and my family is when y'all come in, because they're going to kill everybody. That's how they were going to sweep the city clean and take over. Uh, she says, remember my family. Mm-hmm. And so the way that they said, okay, here's the marker. Here's how we will know not to come in and kill like your little house, your apartment. Um, put a red cord out the window. And this is such a beautiful picture too, because it's a nod backwards to when God is about to rescue his people out of Egypt and the Passover is about to happen for the very first time. And the angel of death goes through the whole land of Egypt and he takes the firstborn, but God told the Israelites to uh, kill the lambs Mm -hmm. and to put their blood on the doorpost um, all around the door frames. And then when the angel, the death angel comes through to take the firstborn, um, he was, he would go over, he would pass yes. over all the door frames with the blood. And so this is another, uh, picture of, of God's mercy and grace passing over her house when he sends his people in the warriors to take over this land that she would be passed over and her, her whole family would not be killed. And then she makes the lineage of Christ. Mm-hmm. You can read, you know, in, in the book of Matthew, there are four women named in the lineage of Christ and Rahab is there. And what's crazy is she was a Gentile and she was a prostitute. Mm-hmm. The In Joshua, it refers to her as the prostitute Rahab. The prostitute, like That's what yes. precedes her name is yes. her title. And I think we grew up with the KJV. It was the harlot. The harlot. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. The original translation, right? <laughs> KJV said it. You just have to have a fifth grade education to read it. <laughs> if you grew up fundamentalist like we did, you know exactly uh-huh. what we just said. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I love is that God even used her position in life mm-hmm. to conceal his spies because two men walking into a home mm. of a woman would not have happened. Right. But for them to go into this like prostitute's house, it nobody cared who went in her home. Mm. People kind of turned a blind eye because it's wow. just what she did. Sure. And so for these two guys, like who knows who, if anybody saw them sneak in. Sure. Surely somebody did. Sure. But it wasn't like, oh, two guys just went into Rahab's house. It was like, oh, another day, another dollar. Yes. And you know what? I, some of the commentaries I was reading said for sure there were Canaanites that knew these Israelites were surrounding them. Mm-hmm. They were oh, not yeah. a small people. Well, were- because she even tells them. She yes. says, y'all. You, I'm sure she said y'all. Yes. Um, <laughs> That's an exact Hebrew word, y'all. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, she tells him, we've heard. Yes. We've heard of what your God has done for you. Yes. We heard about the Red Sea. Yeah. We heard about how God delivered these these kings to you that no one could defeat. Yes. And that were tyrants. And yes. you just swept over them like a, just a wind. You yeah. ki- You took over. 
We've heard and our people have melted in fear is what the Bible says. And she says she believes. She believes. She heard the things of God and she believed. She placed her faith. I think that is so gorgeous. And Mm -hmm. he welcomes her not just into his family, but literally into the lineage, lineage. of Christ, the the true family lineage yeah. of Jesus. Because then they sneak out, they you know do their thing, and then they end up taking over this land. And the they kept their promise. Yes, they rescued Rahab and her family mm-hmm. because she brought them into her home. Yes. Who knows if they believed? They right. pro- they heard the stories. I'm sure right. it doesn't say they believed. It says she believed. She but they kept their promise and they took them with them. Yes. And not as slaves. Right. But as as family. Yeah. As tribe. Yes. And yeah. it said she still she dwelt with them in she married. In, she married one yep. of them. Had babies. Yeah. Yep. And then lineage of Jesus. Yeah. Bam. Bam. Love it. I love it. Okay. okay. Who else do we want to talk about, sister? Who else do you have? I have Ruth. Oh come but on. I'm gonna let you tell it because it goes into our next part of this here in a minute. So I'm going to let you talk about Ruth. Okay. So Ruth was uh, the daughter-in-law of Naomi. She is one of only uh, two books in all the Bible. There's 66 books of the Bible and two are named after women, Ruth and Esther. Mm-hmm. And um, Ruth was not Israelite. Also, she was Gentile. Uh, she was actually a Moabite. And so Israelites were not even supposed to intermarry with the Moabites. And so her Israel, her, his, her Hebrew husband should not have married Mm her and, and did anyway. And Israel faces a famine and uh, God had, had given real explicit instructions to his people. Like when the land suffers, you do not, you do not uh, run. Mm-hmm. Well, this family had disobeyed and left. They went looking for greener pasture outside of Israel. They left their land, uh, which there was, God had covenant with the land mm-hmm. as well. It wasn't just the people. There was covenant with the land. And so this was just absolute disobedience all around. And so here, here Ruth is living with her husband and her mother-in-law, father-in-law, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, and all of the men die. All of them, Mm. her husband, her father-in-law and her brother-in-law and her sister-in-law ends up going back to her family uh, again because she's Gentile. And so it's just Ruth and her Hebrew mother-in-law and they don't know what to do. And so Naomi says, let's just go back to Israel. We'll go back to my people. We'll Mm -hmm. go back home. And so they go back home and they are destitute and women in that culture. And at that time period, if you did not have a husband or a family member who was male that you could marry, you, you were probably going to end up in prostitution, Mm -hmm. um, because you had no means to support yourself. And so turns out there's a wealthy landowner who is a family member and his name is Boaz and Ruth ends up working in his field, which again, God had said, uh, he had made, um, just, um, he had provided Mm -hmm. for the people who, um, did not have food. It was sort of a, an internal welfare system so that whenever you went and you gleaned, um, in other words, you picked up all of the, the produce that was growing on, on the, the grain, the grain. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, you were supposed to leave some behind, Mm -hmm. 
uh, for people coming in behind you that did not work your field. And it was kind of the, the welfare system to make sure that the poorest people in your community were still had food. And so Ruth goes and asks permission to glean in the field. So she follows all of the harvesters and whatever grain they don't pick, she gets to pick and mm. take home. Well, Boaz takes notice of her and, and he tells his people, make sure to leave some extra behind for mm. her. So she takes all this extra food home and Naomi recognizes this isn't a normal amount of glean of produce. Like this is extra what's going on. He's taking notice of you. Mm-hmm. Like, and he told all his people, keep her safe. Keep, don't touch don't her. Touch her. Don't touch her. Because she was very vulnerable. She was probably very young and probably very beautiful. Mm-hmm. And don't touch her. And so she was protected in all these ways. And that was always the hand of God. And we learned this gorgeous principle about God in the book of Ruth. And the word is hesed. And it's this Hebrew Old Testament concept about God and his loving kindness. It's this it's 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 a piece of like his grace his loving kindness toward mankind that he is always working mm-hmm. for us in these ways of working it out but with this love and tenderness built into that it's just this picture of the heart of god toward his creation mm-hmm. humanity and so there's this beautiful picture of has said all around ruth and naomi and eventually ruth and boaz um come together and they get married and it's a whole, there's a whole thing there about leveret marriage, which means, um, if your husband died, you were supposed to marry his next of kin. Mm -hmm. So you would marry his brother. Well, wait. Yeah, I know. Could you imagine like Brad dies and, or I die and there are something, and then you have to marry Jeremy. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love Jeremy, but no, <laughs> because it's like Ew. it's my brother-in-law. I love yeah. you as my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law. <laughs> Ew, that's like my brother. I know. Ew. Gross. And we've got some good-looking men, but yes, still, but ew, ew, that's my brother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> love you, Brad. Don't want to bump uglies. <laughs> Full circle. Full circle, people. Oh, Lord, make it stop. <laughs> Okay, can't but, stop, won't stop. <laughs> no, she can't. The red hair, warning label, she came with it. But you know what is funny about our family is... Oh, oh it's gosh. not funny at all. It is. It is. It's funny. So our mom oh my married Brad's uncle. So our stepdad <laughs> is also my uncle-in-law. And what do you call him? Uncle Daddy. Because <laughs> that's normal. <laughs> and then Brad's mom... <sighs> marries our second cousin yeah so my (laughs) father-in-law is also my second cousin (laughs) so he's cousin dad did you hear the banjos (laughs) which my family can also play beautifully yes (laughs) shout out uncle lyle (laughs) awesome and we have all of our teeth mostly i just got my last one so oh I mean, they're not all our teeth. We paid money for the teeth we have because ours just fall out of our face. Got a full set. So, so yes. So she marries a family member. Ruth marries a family member, Boaz. And uh, and then also she ends up in the lineage of Christ Mm -hmm. because she has a baby uh, named Obed. And Obed has a son named Jesse. And Jesse has a son named David. 
And where did Jesus come from? The line of David in the tribe of Judah. And they're from the tribe of Judah and the prophecy is fulfilled. And, and then you just, you have, again, this woman, Ruth, who did not grow up in the tradition of the Hebrew people, knowing, knowing the hand of God. No, her people were worshiping gods and sacrificing babies. Yes. And, very uh, wicked. Very wicked. That's why God told them not to intermarry because he didn't want them worshiping those other gods. Mm-hmm. And she left her God, her country. Mm-hmm. Her family. Because she saw something in Naomi. Yes. Even though Naomi was bitter, mm-hmm. Naomi even said, don't even call me Naomi. Like, call me Mara, which mm-hmm. means bitter. Like, I'm going to even change my own name because God has taken my husbands, my sons, everything from me. And in the end, God gives her um, kind of through this beautiful picture of like adoption. And he says, like, he gave Naomi a son, which was mm-hmm. her grandson. And that all of her joy was restored. Mm-hmm. Not just her status, which I was restored as well, yeah. but it was that not, that doesn't even come into the conversation The the script says that like her joy, mm-hmm. you know, and all the women could see the difference in her in the end. And I love these pictures of women who against all odds, they weren't born in the right families. They weren't brought up with the right teaching. You know, one's a harlot, one's a Moabite. Worshiping false gods, coming from a bad background. They probably had belly button rings and fresh boobs. <laughs> I mean, you know, like probably had tattoos. How uh, dare you? I know. I know. 2001 got me. <laughs> they might have tramp stamps. I'm not looking at anyone in particular. And God, yeah. And God welcomed them into mm-hmm. his family and like directly to the lineage of Christ. Mm-hmm. This blows my mind, he's so good. Like he's so good. And what did women do? They were part of the story, mm-hmm. you know, and they were prophets and they were obedient and they were risk takers yeah, and they were brave and they worked in the fields and yes, they worked in the homes mm-hmm. and they worked, you know, among the tribes and they, they did the work. Mm-hmm. They ministered everywhere they went, just like we're supposed to minister everywhere we go. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. So I think probably that's a wrap on on the women for today. Yes. Okay. So we kind of want to segue into going from there into some of our favorite Bible studies. Mm, Yes. So a lot of these were written by women. Mm -hmm. Most of mine were. Mm -hmm. I think all of mine were. Um, And just a shout out to all of those ladies who have pioneered... um, through a lot of rough waters. Unfortunately, it's uh, going against the man a lot of times, which I hate. But thank you for doing that for us and paving the way. So um, one of my favorite Bible studies is written by Jessica Phillips, <laughs> the Juder, the Jujmeister, Juice. <laughs> There's no bias here whatsoever. None. None. Um, it is unpublished, which calling you out. <laughs> Because y'all, it is, it's the story of Ruth. It's on the book of Ruth. And if you liked her little spill on just that, I mean, I don't even know how to get it to you because this woman won't get it published, <laughs> which again, publishing is a beast. So I get that. But y'all, it's the best one I've ever done. And you, I'm not Jimmy. just saying that because you're my sister, but Thank because you. I speak truth. I mean, hard truth. <laughs> 
and a little bit of bias, but I'll take it. No. Thank you. That means no. so much. So that's my favorite. What's your first favorite? Um, my first favorite that I've done in recent years is Jesus and Women by Christy McClelland. Same. That's my second. Um, if you want to know how Jenny and I have really been studying scripture in the last few years, we have uh, we highly recommend the Cultural Backgrounds Study Bible. Cultural yes. Backgrounds Study Bible. We will link that in the show notes if you want to order one from Amazon. How about Amazon. we link all of these? We will. We'll link all these. Perfect. Except Jessica's because <laughs> unpublished. So if you know a publisher, send her our way or send him our way because, y'all, it's dynamite. <laughs> Sorry, go we ahead. Need, we need some new publishers in the Christian uh, Absolutely. vein. Uh, so... Jesus and Women by Christy McClelland. It's incredible. She teaches about Jesus and his interactions with women. Um, and she teaches in a cultural context of what was going on at the time. She explains um, how rabbis functioned among their people. She explains what the roles of men were, women were in that culture. And she really brings to light what was happening and why when Jesus interacted with women, it was radical Mm -hmm. because we read these words and sometimes we take it for granted that men and women were even dialoguing. Right. Y'all, this is just huge that a rabbi, rabbis detested women. Mm They, uh, I mean, it's noted in history that they would often wake up and one of the prayers that they would pray is like, thank you for not making me a beast. Thank you for not making me I can't remember what the other one was, but thank you for not making me a woman. Mm -hmm. Like the worst thing they could imagine being was a woman that they would rather be an animal Mm -hmm. than a female woman, which means the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a good writer (laughs) y'all. And so Christy McClellan, she really operates as a cultural time machine and she digs out those truths. Um, It is a shorter Bible study, which I highly recommend seven sessions or less. If you are leading women's Bible studies, women do not want to go for 10 weeks anymore Mm -mm. um, or 13 weeks. That's called a semester. And so we we want shorter, um, we want shorter lengths of studies. And so this is a seven session study, which is incredible. So it's like six weeks of a little bit of homework and it's not extensive, hard homework. Uh, I think it's only maybe four sections a week anyway. So basically, it is very doable. Very, like four days of homework. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been leading this women through this study since um, like 2020, the fall mm-hmm. of 2020. And um, and Christy is the real deal. Oh, She's just incredible. Um, and so Jenny and I led a study last uh, fall together, and it was really just incredible. And the women who've gone through this study, there's been so much liberation and freedom in Christ. Mm -hmm. So if you're like, Oh, our women are bound up and, you know, oppressed, um, for whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever they're going through, there's always freedom in the interactions with Christ and women standing before Jesus, put them in that, put Mm -hmm. them in that study. I'm just challenging you. Don't do an addiction study. Don't do a topical Take them to Jesus and women and do this study. Yeah. Okay. Same. It's one. It's my number two. That was life changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I will say, I'm more of a. I like books of the Bible studies mm-hmm. because I like to read everything in context. Mm-hmm. And anytime there's a footnote or you know reference in the Bible, I want to go to that reference and see, you know, if it's an Old Testament reference, if it's a prophetic reference, whatever it is. Um, 
So for my next one, I absolutely loved Entrusted mm. by Beth Moore. It was a study on Second Timothy. And I'm going to say it wrong because I say things wrong. Exegesis. <laughs> it's exegetical. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the first time I heard that term, I was like, "Who? well, who wants Jesus to exit? Because <laughs> I'm kind of hillbilly when it comes to these church words. But so basically she goes verse by verse, line by line mm-hmm. and breaks it down, unpacks it. If you've been in church for any length of time and you've heard Pastor Sam, I'm going to unpack this. That's basically the style of teaching is taking it verse by verse, breaking it down. And I, to me, that type of study speaks more to me. That's why I think I love Ruth so much too. Your Bible study is because it's very much a line by line, verse by verse, cultural, cultural context. It's not topical. It's not thematic. Um, I don't want one verse out of this book, one verse out of this book, and you're going to tie it together because it makes sense for a study, which sometimes that works. Right. But for my brain and the way I process things, I need that whole Bible, I mean, whole book. Right. And tell me how, you know. Well, and even in that, like whenever you're going through Ruth, there's such, there's so many topics that Mm. are going to pull out of that. Um, they're going to speak to whatever you're going through, whether it's anxiety, depression, divorce, uh, trouble with the kid, not, not having peace, you know, whatever it is, the Lord is going to speak so beautifully through that to you. And that's why I love teaching books as well, because the Holy Spirit is just going to teach that personally better than I can try to make a point. Absolutely. And so I'm with you, Jenny. I, I, I prefer that study too. Yeah. Entrusted is one of my favorite studies too. If you are trying to raise up um, the next generation, emerging mm-hmm. generations of women leaders. Yes. And let us say this. Don't platform them until you have put them through some training. Yeah. We have got to stop platforming young leaders and giving them a stage and a microphone when they have not put in any of the work. They have not, their faith has not been tested mm-hmm. and tried in, in the shadows yet. That stage, that microphone and that platform will kill them. Absolutely. It will kill their <clears throat> marriages. It'll kill kill their spirits. It can shut down their calling for seasons of time. And some of them will not come back from it. Mm -hmm. We have got to invest in them. Yeah. I taught so many years in the obscure before the Lord let me have rooms of 20 or 30 or a thousand. Mm -hmm. So many years. And it is all, it was all worth it and necessary. Mm Mm-hmm. And so we have got to do this for the emerging generations of women who are going to come behind us and lead and taking them through Bible studies like this and holding them accountable to do their homework and show up. Cause if they want to lead, mm-hmm. they have to do the work. Yeah. And that is like study the word of God. And so older women, and that's us now in our forties, <laughs> by the way, <laughs> super fun, but we get to do this now. We get to take the twenties and the thirties through this mm-hmm. and we get to walk with them and mentor them and love them well and learn from them. Yeah. And learn my from gosh, them. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We have so much to learn from them. You're exactly right. 
and teach them. Mm-hmm. They have a lot they, they, they want to learn from us. So Entrusted is that kind of a study because it's definitely, it's the last writing of Paul and it's Paul writing to Timothy, mm-hmm. who he is passing the baton to. And if you've been walking with Jesus for a long time as a leader inside of your church, um, your own life, your home, this Bible, you will just cry nearly every page mm-hmm. of the study. It is so tender yeah. to those of us who've, who've, who've walked in ministry a long time. And it also puts a lot of the cultural um, nuances in perspective. Yes, it does. So the whole verse about, what is it? You can probably say it off the top of your head, about women. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh first Timothy. Oh, that Every, was first Timothy. Yeah. yeah, everybody's telling, you know, women to be silent. Yes. Yeah. He talks about that. Yeah. And um, so just, it, it's beautiful. And yeah. of course, it's Beth Moore, and she does it so beautifully yes. and so humbly. Yep. And, and I will say her earlier books or Bible studies are very lengthy in homework. Yes. This one was not. And no. and you get so into it. Yes. You're like, that's it. I know. That's so it, it's amazing. It is amazing. And now I'm going blank on my last one. I didn't write this one down and it just came to me. Um, my last one's seamless. Is that not yours? Go with seamless. Okay. Start talking about that one. So seamless is by Angie Smith and it kind of, it weaves together the genealogy of Jesus. And it really spoke to me because if you've never really done any study on that, you've kind of just read over the accounts in Matthew or, you know, whenever there's the genealogy and you're like, oh, yawn, boring. Um, I love those. And so, um, but it pieces together that he's not from a line of upper class royalty, but he's from a line of humble messes. Yeah. And it's just, um, it's, it's beautiful. Um, so that one is one of my last ones. I love, I love seamless. It is really an old Testament and new Testament survey. Yes. So, uh, my pastor and my last church who kind of, I grew up under his like leadership and, um, he had this group of men that he led in Bible study for years. And, uh, he was asking me, you know, about this seamless Bible study. And I said, yeah, it's, I highly recommend it. Um, I I think all new believers should go through it. And he said, well, I'm going to take my men through it. And he said they loved it. What? Stop. Yes. He took men through a women's Bible study? Yes, he did. And they all loved it. I would like to poll all the men listening. And ladies, poll your husbands or significant others. Ask them if they've ever done a Bible study written by a woman. Ask them Please. if they've ever read a Christian-themed book by a woman. Yeah, I would love to know that. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, I have one more. Okay, It's go. not a Bible study. Oh, go. I think it could be a very good book study mm-hmm. if you have somebody in your group who is gifted in asking questions. Okay. Because I think asking questions is an art form okay. with, uh, in regards to, especially like in text, Bible text, you know, yes. when godly people do ungodly things by oh, Beth Moore. Yes. So this was, Jessica recommended this to me whenever dad committed suicide because we were bombarded with, you know, and dad was a believer. Yeah. So we knew where dad was, but we, <laughs> y'all, we had so many people. Oh. I'm laughing. Cause I just, I could literally cry. Yeah. 
people were like, well, he's in hell because he committed suicide and that's the greatest sin. Well, that's stupid and a lie. And not scriptural. Not scriptural. So um, that book to me for a group of people yes. who maybe are grieving, especially suicide or something of the like. Yes. Um, or whenever you've got a family member who yeah. grew up in, you've got a child who's now the prodigal and they yeah. grew up in the faith and they got saved and they got baptized and they even, maybe they thought they were going to go into full-time Christian ministry Absolutely. and now they're on drugs right. and they're living with their boyfriend or they're identifying, um, as the opposite sex yeah. now. Like there's all this identity mm-hmm. and confusion around people in your life and you feel devastated. This, that is an incredible Bible study. Yeah, Absolutely. So I would 100% recommend that. Yes, I do too. Okay, so my last one, I thank you for giving me a break to look no. this up. It's my favorite. It's called Open Your Bible. Yes. Remember Open Your Bible? Yeah. Okay, so it's by Amanda Bible Williams and Rachel Myers. They are the women behind She Reads Truth. Okay, yes. They started She Reads Truth, and they wrote this study called Open Your Bible. What I love about Open Your Bible is when I'm taking a brand new group of women through a study, I don't want them to lean on videos. Mm -hmm. I want them to actually learn to hold their Bible, not just their phone and the Bible app, even though I use that daily. I love it. I'm not against it. But to open their Bible and flip through scripture, to place that authority in their hands. Some women are coming from backgrounds of faith where they had no authority to hold scripture, yeah. to read scripture, to ask for any interpretation than a man standing on a stage and speaking it to them. And so putting scripture in their hands and teaching them, you are now a disciple. Mm-hmm. This is open for you. This is the you're word. commissioned. You're commissioned. Mm-hmm. Yes. And to teach them to open the Bible and to flip pages, to teach them the books of the Bible, the, the arrangement that it's, it's not just a book, it's a library mm-hmm. to teach them that there's literature, some of its poetry, some of its history, some of its prophecy to teach them about the library of the Bible That's what this study does. And yes, there's a companion video each week, but it's just the two women that wrote it kind of bantering back and forth. And they're wonderful. And and the videos are like 10, 15 minutes. I skipped them. Mm -hmm. And so when I take women through this study, you show up and you've done your homework. Mm -hmm. And I don't always make it a point that if you didn't do your homework, you can't talk. I don't always do that. But for this study, I do. Mm -hmm. Because there's nothing else to talk about. Yeah. If you didn't do your homework, because we are literally digging out scripture. What did this say? What did this mean to you? How did you, how did you interpret right, this? Right. It's not a fill in the blank. Right. It's not right. at all. And so this study is so incredible. And if you're leading a women's ministry and you don't know where to begin, this is a great place to begin. Open your Bible. And then you do seamless next. Mm-hmm. And then you do Jesus and women next. Yeah. And I don't care if you are. And Ruth. And Ruth. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Thank you, Jenny. (laughs) By Jessica Phillips. Yes. And I don't care if you're taking men or women through it. Mm -hmm. This should be part of what they're studying. Um, So that, that's what we give to you is that, that, that's our, that's our starting point and that'll keep you busy for a full year. Oh, for sure. (laughs) And then for your leaders, take them through entrusted. Yeah. For women who have calling of leadership in their lives and whether they lead in business or church or home, or they don't feel like they're a leader at all, but you discern leadership and calling inside of them, take them through and trusted. 
and make that a very small group. Yes. Yeah. Be very intentional with that. A circle of trust. Yes. <laughs> you know what Jenny's doing? Like with her hand, like pinging off the circle of trust. Like don't be on the They outside. see it. They see it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So this leads us to our things that make you go, hmm. I'm pretty sure that was on key. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It was to me. Okay. So continuing with ladies in our lives that have made us go, hmm, for so many reasons, we're going to give you some more um, accolades. So mm-hmm. who you got first? Well, I actually want to list my daughter, Emery. Aww. She's my little 12-year-old. And um, she makes me go, hmm, because I wonder how she's processing her faith yeah. in light of everything we've gone through in light of big, huge adult themes around her, um, swirling in her orbit. I wonder, and we talk a lot about it, how she's processing. Uh, she's very fearful of church because she's watched her daddy and I get slung through the mud Mm -hmm. and, Every church we visit, she always says, were they nice to you? No. And that is such an indictment against the church that they're not nice Mm. a lot of times. And we've got to do better. And that she sees that first. And she sees it. And she's 12 and she's discerning. And this child loves Jesus. And she keeps her own prayer journal. Mm -hmm. And she writes and... She loves the Lord and we pray together every single day. We, we observe a lot of, um, even faith traditions in our own home. And as we're looking around at churches, you know, she has a lot of input and Mm -hmm. we are listening to her. It matters to us. Um, but I think for me as a mom watching that, you know, you constantly struggle with like, I feel like a failure. Mm -hmm. I feel like I failed her. You know, I wanted her to always be in kids church and always have that. And I could never have imagined, especially with my involvement as a faith leader Mm -hmm. in our church and our community, um, and loving that calling. I loved, you know, being part of that in my local church to the level I was. Um, it's so shocking to me that she's not getting to grow up like in the exact same way in kids ministry that I did. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I just constantly pray through that and over her and, and yet she, she loves the Lord Mm -hmm. and the things that she knows of him are right and true and scriptural and the person that she is, you know, and among her friends and, um, her reputation, you know, among teachers, I'm like, it's the fruit of the spirit is what always gets verbally processed back to us is that she's this, she's that. And it's always words that reflect fruit of the, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, tenderness, you know, goodness, Mm -hmm. self-control. Like she is those things. And, um, and so she's my little, my little mirror, you -hmm. know, and, um, and sometimes even my conviction, you know, there's conviction in that. And, um, yeah. And I just want to be honest too, that 
like, we don't have it figured out. Mm-hmm. Anybody who feels like, oh, I raised my, you know, I didn't do right by my kids. By the way, we all feel that way. We <laughs> yeah. all feel like we're failing our kids. Every day. And. And your intentions are so good. I know. Always. Always. I know. And so, I don't know. I just, I see so much good in her, mm-hmm. you know, and I see her wanting to make a mark on the world and she carries it in such a real deep way already. And I'm like, Lord, what do you have for her? Yeah. What is it? What is her purpose? You know? Um, and Lord help me to not get in the way, mm-hmm. like move me out of the way if I'm ever in the way. Um, so, and I, I pray too, that the Lord will let me get to be part of her purpose somehow, Yeah, you know, whether it's just her cheerleader I don't know. Write checks. I don't know. <laughs> You'll definitely do that. <laughs> Already have. <laughs> but uh, she's she's one of those things that makes me go hmm, constantly. Yeah. And then when there's school shootings and there's this tragedy, everything in me just wants to protect. And and even last night I told Brad I was like, uh, I just I just want to sleep with Emery tonight. <laughs> and mm-hmm. He's like, okay. And I, I just I slept next to her and just. You know, I just wanted to be near yeah. and, and not take one second for granted. So she's the thing that makes me go hmm, right now. Mm. Love that. What about you, sis? My first one is Lulu. So we've talked about our two mama a lot. <gasps> um, so when I met Brenna in third grade, she was, so we moved here for the final time because we went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Here to Kansas, here to uh, yeah. Permian Basin to Kansas City, Kansas, mm-hmm. back and forth. So we landed here when I was beginning third grade and Jessica was beginning fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And so I met this girl. We never were in class together. Not ever. Isn't that uh, weird? I did not know that. Uh-huh. We never had a, a class together because she was in GT and from Kansas, we didn't have GT up there. So I didn't get into Zenith, which is what it was called. <laughs> Why was it called it? It was called nerd class. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get in until like mid third grade. So I did have Zenith with her at some point, but, um, she was this little prim and proper. She looked Greek. I mean, I just had never seen anybody that looked like her. She is she, gorgeous. She just had so much hair, all the hair. So much hair. So she still does. I know. It's gorgeous. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but she was beautiful and she always dressed fancy. She would wear pearls with her cardigan. I didn't even know what a cardigan was, y'all. Straight <laughs> up, it's a jacket. <laughs> and she would wear cardigans with yes. her pearls. So um, her mom is Lulu. And so Lulu was a young mom mm-hmm. and she uh, worked. She was a stay at home mom and she. Brenna had uh, three brothers and sisters, you know, through little brothers and sisters. And so Lulu was my surrogate mom always. And she always had the best fashion. Oh, yes. The fringe leather skirt we and are, jacket. We, we are hunting for a picture, Lulu. We are going to post a picture of you in that fringe. Everybody wants to see that picture. All of us do. So please find it. Please. So um, Lulu was always there. And Brenna can never to this day, stay up past 10 o'clock at a home. Like if you're just like getting together to hang out, she is dozing off at the bar stool or in the couch or wherever she is. She is half asleep or she's in pajamas and pearls. Yes. Just for the record. And her heels are in front of her. (laughs) So Lulu was always my um, sleepover buddy because Brenna gave up. (laughs) So Lulu did not allow her kids to have Cokes 
it just, they didn't eat, drink or eat a lot of sugar. And so when all the kids would go to sleep, we would sneak Cokes and candy and we would make popcorn and we would watch whatever movie we were watching. And we would stay up and watch the whole movie and eat popcorn and drink Coke, like brand name Coke. (laughs) Coke. We didn't buy brand name Coke. We brought, bought like Dr. Thunder. (laughs) You know, know. white bottle, black letters, whatever it was. Dr. Thunder. And so. Soda. Sure it was. Cola. It even had air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, she was my surrogate mom. And one time I was, was I in fifth grade? Were you in seventh grade? I can't remember. We were in, I was in elementary for sure. You were either in sixth or seventh grade. We live in the Permian Basin, which we are a basin. And so everybody says we can't get tornadoes because we live in a basin. Well, little Jenny Johnson will tell you, we straight up had a tornado. Yeah. The Everybody called it a microburst. Fooey, mm-hmm. and so busted out the windows on the front of our house, and we had like the double pane yeah. uh, storm windows. Yes. And so, anyway, Lulu, we're, we're getting this weather. Mom and Dad are both at work. Jessica and I are latchkey kids, so we're home. We're doing our thing, homework, snacks, you know, the whole thing. And all of a sudden, the weather starts turning because here it turns on a dime. Yep. And so we're hiding in the clot or in the in the hallway with pillows and everything because Mom calls us and says. Get in the closet, get in the, yeah, take cover. So we know what to do because we're latchkey kids and we're Jerry Don's kids. Yeah. We gonna know where to go. We got some street smart. (laughs) We may not look like it, but we do. (laughs) So we're, we're uh, taking cover and all of a sudden we hear the um, hail. (laughs) Boom, boom, boom. Every, I mean, hail is knocking out windows and it's crazy. And all of a sudden we hear bang, 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 bang. And it's not hail. And we're like, What? Somebody is at our front door mm-hmm. and it's Lulu mm-hmm. and she's going girls <laughs> and she is like her arms are above her head and she is getting pelted yes. with hail. Yes. And she's like, get in my van. So we get in the van and we drive through a tornado yes. to her home. Yes. By the time we get there, it clears. Yes. She had left her kids in the closet <laughs> with a neighborhood boy <laughs> Because they were all at her house playing, because that's what you did. And she came and got us. Yeah. She saved us. She did save us. Yeah, she did. I know. Now Jenny's crying. She doesn't want to make her Miss Piggy voice. (laughs) (laughs) But then, after Dad died, I'll never forget her walking through Mom and Dad's house, dusting the house. Yeah. Because whenever you're in the thick of it, you overlook certain things and she was very hospitable and she was very much a caretaker. Yeah, she did our dishes. She, she did cleaned it. our bathroom. She brought us sandwiches and made us take a bite. Yeah, she did. And she has been our mom's best friend. Yeah. Uh, Watching her love mom has been. Yeah. She's such a good friend to our mom. Yeah, she really is. She is like a sister and she takes care of mom. Um, her heart you yeah know, they take care of each other and that's what Lulu does Lulu is definitely like a piece of our heart yeah she just I don't remember any like formative memories without her I know I know we knew her in her 20s I know. <laughs> she was so young oh my gosh yeah I mean we were there like when Jason was brought home from the hospital, like he a was, yeah. baby. Like, baby Jay was, she, was, I held him one day old. Yeah. Remember when she was pregnant with him? Yeah. 
We were there when she gave her kids perms at home in the kitchen. <laughs> we were there th- for all of her hair colors. Yeah. And she pulled them all off. Oh my gosh. So beautiful. <laughs> so she still is. She's so beautiful and she loves us so well. And she's just been so consistent in our life. And as you get older, you, you recognize what a gift that is. The people that stay. Yeah. Because staying means they forgive you. Yeah. They love you even though, <laughs> even though you're a lot right. or you're not enough or you're, you know what I mean? Like they stay with you. Or you say mean things. <laughs> or you say mean things or you say things, you know, or do things or you, or you don't show up for them, mm-hmm. you know? And then there's just so much grace that covers like lifelong relationships like that. And, yeah. and Lulu has shown us like all that grace yeah. and we love her yeah so much so much thank you Lulu and all of her kids oh my gosh we love her whole family they're like they're I mean Brenda's more like a sister than she has been my best friend she like the all the whole family Ellie oh my gosh they're so beautiful and so funny and so fun and they are we didn't have brothers so they're like surrogate little brothers and they're just they're so much fun to be around they are we love them Always the life of the party. Always. And the heart. Lulu, thank you. We thank love you. you. Love you. Okay. Well, that's this episode. Next week is going to be the Thursday before Easter. Mm-hmm. And we have a real special topic in mind. So we hope that you'll join us back here next week. Thanks for all your support. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. You helped us land a pretty significant spot in our first few weeks yeah. on Apple Podcasts. We, um, in, in a particular category, we landed in the top 100. Yes. So, two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row. So thank y'all so much. You have no idea Man. what that means to us um, and how special you all are. So we love you. Love you. That's a wrap for this episode. Thank you for sharing your time with us. You can follow us on Instagram at jenandjuice.ig and on Facebook at jenandjuice. And I'm Jenny. You can follow me on Instagram at jennyhill.ig. That's Jenny with the J and an I. And I'm Juice, a.k.a. Jessica. You can follow me on Instagram at jessicaphillips.ig. We can't wait to meet you here again next week as we continue these conversations where, as always, we're here to help a sister and brother out. out.